This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Guys, we are days away from If Gathering. If you have not signed up, it is not too late. March 4th and 5th, it is happening, and the content is going to be insane, crazy good. You do not want to miss it, so go right now, ifgathering.com. In my estimation, I've been a part of every if from the beginning and helped to build what it's going to be. But I will say this, this is going to be the best if gathering that we have ever had. There are things happening that will change your life. I can't imagine, it's changed ours. Like just planning it and having the conversations that are gonna happen on that stage. You will love it and we do not want you to miss it. So go right now, ifgathering.com, sign up. It is going to blow your mind. And here's a little taste to get you excited. I have a really simple goal today, um, and that's to talk about holiness, to talk about uh, the holiness of God and how we live in light of that. How do we, you know, pursue holiness in the world uh, that cares nothing about it? I think the term holiness is really loaded. I think we come uh, to interact with it uh, in ways that come from assumptions that may or may not be biblical. Uh, I know for me, the, the way I used to think about holiness was I used to think about holiness and think about the people who I would have deemed holy, which was my aunt. <laughs> my aunt Merle is one of the holiest people I know. Uh, but the interesting thing is that a lot of the reasons I attributed uh, the label holy to her was because she doesn't curse. She doesn't listen to secular music. I've never seen her wear pants. And I don't mean like she goes about like with just her legs and her thighs out. I mean, she only wears dresses. Like that's that's it. And they're the longest dresses I've ever seen. I, I don't even know uh, where she got that much fabric from. Um, and so for her or for me, she was my first experience of holiness. Someone who is living differently than, than the majority. I think if she was my only uh, version of holiness, that would lead me to believe that I must be like her to be holy, that I must wear long dresses, that I must not listen to certain music, that I must, uh, you know, engage with the world from a distance. But I think the better uh, sight or the, 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 the one that we're supposed to look at when it comes to understanding holiness is God, <laughs> because God is holy. Uh, we are commanded and called not to be like the holy people we've seen, but we're commanded and called to be like the God who has revealed himself in his son. So why should we be holy? Well, because the scripture tells us to. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 14, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, to understand holiness, we have to look at God. God himself is holy. In Isaiah 6, before the throne, uh, Isaiah stood and saw God, and he saw the angels, the seraphim, covered their eyes and covered their feet, and they sang a song about God. Uh, if the seraphim were uh, some pundits from our uh, modern context, what they might have sung is, Lord, 
Lord, Lord, or love, love, love. But what they sung was holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, God's holiness is literally who he is and what he is. Uh, you cannot talk about God without talking about his holiness. Uh, you cannot imagine God without imagining his holiness. That is who he is, that is who he has always been, and that is who he will always be. Um, as holy, it means two things. It means that God is morally pure or ethically righteous. He cannot sin, can do no wrong, can do no injustice. Um, but it also means that God is transcendent, meaning he is above and beyond us creatures. He is not a creature. He is independent. He is uh, sovereign. He is uh, knowledgeable of all things. He is absolute reality and truth. He uh, is unlike us. He is unique. He is distinct. He is different. He is special. He is separate. That is what it means for God to be transcendent. I think usually when we think about the term holiness, we just land on the moral purity part. That God is righteous and holy. He don't do bad stuff. And so even when we think about holiness, we only think about God's holiness in relation to sin. But it's actually fuller than that and bigger than that. It's that, yes, God is pure, but it's also that God is high, that he is distinct, that he is different, that he is set apart. Uh, by definition, that's what holiness means. It means to cut or to separate. And so God's purity and God's transcendence sets him apart from everything that, 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 everything that there is. Uh, if you consider two things, or one way to understand that, is if you were to put God in a category, as in, this is who God is, and label it God at the top, and then beneath it, label everything that exists, you will see that the primary difference between God and everything else is that everything else was made and God was not. <laughs> that everything else is dependent and God is not. That everything else is contingent, but God is not. That everything else is a derivative, but God is not. He exists as he is. That's what it means for him to be the I am that I am, is that he is what he is and he will always be what he is. I know it sounds complicated, but when you're talking about a transcendent God, it will be mysterious at times. Looking to God then, if he is both morally pure and transcendent, how does that change us? What does that do for us? Well, I think one is that it shows us that in his moral purity, God cannot sin against you. Um, we live in a world and in a society that everyone born after Adam is born into sin. So that means that we are surrounded by people who have a tendency to sin against us. Uh, many of us know what rejection is, know what abuse is, know what abandonment is. We've been lied to, objectified, talked about, uh, treated as if we are less than. These are sins against us. And even some of the sins that we've acquired for ourselves are a means to cope, you know? Some of us withhold love because our love was taken advantage of at some point. Some of us are easily given to anger or frustration uh, because we have a hurt inside of us that we refuse to name. Uh, so much of our own sinfulness is in response to the sins against us. And I think that not really believing or esteeming the moral purity of God sets us up to actually project onto God the potential sinfulness that we're used to in other people. Let me say that again. I think that when you don't really latch on to the fact that God is sinless, 
you tend to treat him as if he has the potential to sin against you. So when he says uh, to submit, when he says to repent, when he says to take up uh, your cross daily and die, when he commands you to do certain things as Lord, you don't think he's safe enough for you to obey. And so you don't. You go to all these other alternatives that you have deemed as safe because of your unbelief in the moral purity of God. When you really think about the fact that God is holy, so all he is is good, therefore all he does is good, therefore all he commands is good, I think that gives you motivation to actually trust him. And out of that trust flows fruit, flows obedience. And another way, uh, believing and trusting in the transcendence of God helps us because it says that God is incomparable, that there is no one like him, that there is nothing like him. Uh, when you look throughout the scriptures, you will see the psalmists and the prophets continually appeal to the distinctiveness of God for the reason why they should trust him. If God cannot be compared to anything and everything, then why in the world would we expect anything and everything to be as good as he is? Uh, what is it of idols that we think about? When we are trusting in an idol, whether it's coffee, whether it's sex, whether it's relationships, whether it's money, uh, what are some other things that we, we tend to exalt? Whether it's ourselves, whether it's social media, when we are looking to idols, the expectation is that they could be like God for us, right? We look to a thing to, to be transcendent, to be sovereign, to have, give us peace, to give us comfort, to, to provide for us things that they don't even have in, in and of themselves. An idol is a lifeless thing. So how could we expect then for a lifeless thing to offer us life when this life is dependent on us to give it to it and not for it to give it to us? That's the difference between idols and God is that God has life in and of himself, uh, that he doesn't need to borrow it ask for it, uh, pray for it. He is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And so looking to God to be all that he is helps us to trust him to be all that we need. Uh, I think those are two ways in which seeing the holiness of God and believing it helps us to trust, which helps us to obey. Uh, when we do that, when we look to God to be who he is, uh, 2 Corinthians talks about what happens. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I feel like for so long I thought that to be holy I just simply had to read the Bible and say okay okay I'm gonna obey that. I'm going to do that. Don't lie. Gotcha. Don't steal. Gotcha. Don't lust or commit adultery. Gotcha. But I think <laughs> what happens is if, if we're obeying purely on the basis of duty, I think we end up frustrated. We end up tired. We end up bitter because uh, our faith is not anchored in the beauty of God, but rather in trying to earn some moral standing with God apart from Jesus. But I think when you behold the Lord and you see that God is different and distinct and special, there's no one like him and there will never be anybody like him, that he is morally pure and sinless and spotless and without blemish. When you behold that, what you see is beauty. 
And in seeing his beauty, you want to know him and love him and you also trust him. And out of that comes fruit. Because when Jesus says, hey, cast your cares on me for I care for you. What unbelief would lead you to do is say, oh, he's lying. He doesn't, he doesn't care for me. So let me, let me fix my burdens myself. Let, let, me, let me do all these things myself. So much of our anxiety comes out of us assuming that God is lying when he says that he can handle it. But if we trust and look to Jesus as being morally pure, therefore not being able to lie, that when he says that he cares about your cares, you believe him and you give him to him, obeying him, bearing fruit of peace. Do you see how that plays a part in looking to God, seeing who he is, trusting who he is, and that out of that coming a worship, coming a relinquishing of our rights um, unto the one who deserves them and will never abuse them. Uh, so that's how we be holy, man, is <laughs> we look to God to define it. And we look to God to help us walk it and be in it. Uh, holiness is not something to be afraid of. Holiness is not something to look down on. Holiness really makes God beautiful. If he wasn't holy, he wouldn't be a beautiful God. But because he is, he is worthy of our worship. So then, uh, as we become like him, as we behold him, what happens is that we become beautiful people. We become lovely people become kind and compassionate and gentle. Uh, we have joy and we walk in self-control and patience. These are fruits of the spirit. These are fruits of holiness. And so, yeah, if I, if I have anything else to say, it's behold the Lord. Look at him and become like him. Thanks, guys. I'm going to show all my cards here and, and tell you why you're a hero to me because I do think spiritual heroes are needed today. And I think the reason that your ministry has always spoken to me is that you've disregarded everything America has to offer. They've thrown it all at you and you keep walking away from it. And there's a reason. There's something that God planted in you that, that's clear, that you, you don't want to miss the main thing. And, and I want you to describe, if you can, just that war and that tension of, of getting caught up in, in the wrong thing and, and what you see specifically. And I mean, I want you to be bold here because there's a lot of people listening and all over the world, there's people probably in the place, places that you've visited and, and hope to minister to, but there's also a lot of Americans and there's a lot of people in the West. And I want you to, to say the hard thing. I want you to talk about that internal turmoil you feel right now about American Christianity and, and where we might be off and, and taking it in the wrong direction. Yeah, it, it's always weird to look back at yourself, you know, like in an earlier phase of life or, or when you leave the country and you look back at your life and you see how other people view America. And when you're in it, you just, you just kind of caught up in it all. You're caught up in the moment. And you realize from an outside looking in, there's almost like a silliness. There's a there's a busyness and a creativity and oh, check this out, check this, you know, and almost like this marketing fight for attention. And when we're talking about like this sacred being up in heaven, like like there's there, you don't see the awe of like I can't believe I'm talking to him. 
You know, one of my elders on Wednesday said, he, he, we gotta understand we're like, we're like tissues on the surface of the sun. Like, like it's gonna take a miracle to come into his presence and not be consumed. And you look at all the other faiths on the earth and there's far more reverence for God in them than what you see with Americans and what they say of Christ. And so we've lost that sacredness. And so it makes the message really hard to believe when you say you believe in this judgment by this almighty God. And yet the faith that you show looks very shallow, looks very earthy and, 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 and I don't know, just simple things like, like, like the psalmist saying, yeah, this is the one thing I ask. I just, I just want to stare at him. I just want to sit at the temple, not say anything and just stare in awe of him. And who talks like that anymore? You know, we were talking about all these other things and, and we say that we believe in this eternity with him and, and yet people are so afraid to die, so afraid of rejection. Um, we just really love this popularity and really gotten caught up. I, this, this week I've been trying to just clear my mind more because I see my mind getting cluttered by all this information and stimulation and to where my prayers, you know, when Ecclesiastes says, guard your steps, you know, don't offer the sacrifice of fools by just talking because they don't know that what they're doing is evil. And so I've been trying to come before God and just, just with the Lord's prayer over and over and over again this week and just stuck on that hallowed be your name. God, I want your name to be so sacred. I want people to treat your name as sacred. And right now, even in the church, it's not held up as sacred. Uh, you, you know, because if you say, hey, Jesus is going to be there, we're gonna take the bread and the cup, that doesn't draw. But Jenny Allen is gonna be there. John Piper's gonna be there. Tim Keller's gonna be there. Oh, oh, Francis Chan's gonna be there. And it's like, oh, no, 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 God. This is hallowed. It has to be your name. How, how do we do this? And I've just been thinking, God, you know, John the Baptist, I must, I must, I must decrease. Like, it's, it's not enough anymore for me to go, I gotta figure a way. Oh, it'd be nice if people just came for Jesus. No, it's, we must, we must change this. We must, like in my life, I'm devoted to this. Like, I don't know how it's gonna happen. I don't know if I just stop doing things like this. I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I'll do anything to, to have his name lifted up and sacred again, where they hear the name of Jesus and it's like, oh, there's like this fear, this awe and it has to start in the church. It has to, and then it spreads. That's what, what makes us wanna to go to other places is so that other people would have this awe over the name of Jesus. And so I'm realizing even for me, like I need to have that. Otherwise I'll go to other countries and I'll export 
the same casual idea of Jesus, my buddy, you know, rather than, hey, I'm going to tell you about someone that even when I say his name, it just sends chills through my body because his name is sacred, you know, and to say those, you know, to, to share that to those who've never heard of him. Like that's, that's what I want to do. It's hard to hear that. And I don't mean personally, I mean, I think we share this in common, that heaven feels very close, that God is coming back soon and that we want to do this life well. And I think a lot of other people listening right now feel that same thing. And it feels confusing. Okay, I mean, okay, everybody listening right now to this, I promise you, it's thinking the same thing I am. Like, I'm in. I want to please God. How? What does that look like? I think the first thing you have to start with yourself. You have to have those times. I say we start with silence. We have to learn how to be silent again just in the presence of God. David doesn't say the one thing I want is to come into his presence and say all this stuff. I just want to stare at him. I just want to stare at him. I just want to stare at his beauty. We, we need to, you know, like First Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled. He talks about uh, self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We've got to get our minds sober again so that when we try to be quiet in the presence of God, there's not a million things running through our heads, you know, diverting us. That's what I was noticing in my life. Oh no, I'm getting that way again. I'm getting that way again. You know, so, so you didn't want to run. I take off the earbuds or whatever. I just want to think about God, meditate on God, have nothing else, no noise, so that I can truly be in awe thinking about Him on His throne, in all of His glory, with all of the angels, and just go, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Man, and just praying that over and over, not, not, not in an empty way, but in a deeper way every time. See, we think maturity is, oh, let me say it in a more creative way. No, 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 no. The mature, mature worshipers can come before God with just holy, 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 and say it over and over again, day and night and never stop saying it and mean it more each time and have a greater thrill of being in his presence. So I would say, and be in awe of him and, and, and to get a pocket of people because our, our faith is not just me and God. It is our Father who art in heaven and, and to get pockets of people to just be in awe of him and be able to sit in silence and not to be constantly stimulated by all this outside noise, but your own spirits within you are just getting deeper and deeper and more connected with God. To think, man, I was, we were created in the image of the Trinity. We were created in this image where we could be one with God, just like Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. And Jesus says, I want to be one with you. 
uh, and the Father, the Son, will make our home with you, will live in you. The Spirit himself will abide in you. And that needs to just be this awesome rush to us again. And it needs to be a regular practice in our life. So that when we're in awe, when we talk about him to other people, they can see it. They can see the reverence and they can hear it in our voices. So excited that one of the things happening is IF Gathering, March 4th and 5th. And my favorite part about that is that we get to gather with women all over planet Earth. Over 3,000 events being hosted, and we do not want you to miss it. Guys, you need this. I'm going to say it matter of fact. You're going to go sign up right now because you need this. IFGathering.com. That's where you go. You will never, ever regret doing this. Those two days will bless your lives.